Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua. I am your host. Today, I'm going to talk to you about taking the easy path to your goals, or rather, taking the direct path to your goals. I'm going to do this in the context, though, of a show that I have been wanting to do for a good number of months. <laughs> I'm going to introduce it by talking about taxes. I wanted to wait a few months until this comment that I read on the internet would disappear so I wouldn't embarrass the person who wrote the comment originally. Um, but when I saw this comment, I immediately screenshotted this sucker, and I have wanted to do this show since then. So here's the comment. <laughs> this was posted uh, online in a uh, a personal finance uh, forum. And uh, the commenter writes this, uh, sorry, it was on a, in a personal finance group on Facebook. <laughs> commenter writes this, public service announcement. Thanks to the CARES Act that was recently signed into law, over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies are now HSA eligible, retroactive to January 1, 2020. Keep those receipts and don't forget to log that mileage. And then the hashtag, Sticking it to Uncle Sam. <laughs> now, I don't know if this strikes you as funny as it does me, but to me, I've, I sat there and cackled for, for several minutes when I read this, this, um, <laughs> this post. <laughs> I just sat and cackled because I thought, what a, a ridiculous <laughs> juxtaposition of perspectives. <laughs> The, the, and and the, the hashtag is what pushes it over the top, sticking it to Uncle Sam. And I thought, okay, how much over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies are you going to actually be spending such that it's actually going to make a difference and you're going to stick it to Uncle Sam? And I want to drive the lesson home here for you because it's important that you think about this stuff. So let's just assume, what I don't know how much you can pay in over-the-counter medical supplies, but let's say you spend uh, $20 um, per month on over-the-counter medications, you know, Tylenol, Advil, something like that. And, you know, depending on, I don't know how much you spend on on feminine, you know, hygiene supplies, but let's say you spend another $20 a month on, hi- on feminine hygiene supplies. So your total in a year is $200. Four, sorry, uh, your total in a year is $480 of total uh, deductions that you have. Now, let's figure out how much this, this deduction is worth. So what the commenter here is saying, remember that he's saying that thanks to the CARES Act that was recently signed into law, over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies are now HSA eligible. So what would it mean to fund a health savings account? Well, you can put pre-tax money into the health savings account, and then if you take the money out and you spend it on qualified medical expenses then you can pay the money without paying any income taxes on the money. Um, and then, so let's let's figure that out. Well, it all depends on your tax rate, of course, but if you're HSA eligible, let's just assume you're paying a, an effective tax rate of, let's make it 20%. So that means that you're going to save $96 uh, per year uh, on your $480. You'll save $96 of tax. <clears throat> now, with an HSA, one of the nice things about an HSA <clears throat> is that if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have that with an employer where you can do an automatic payroll deduction into the HSA, then you can fund that prior to employment taxes as well. So that would be 7.65% in the United States. So $480, 7.65% would be $36. So you're possibly at 36 plus 96, you're possibly at $132 
of savings. Now, the reason why I didn't want to do this this show soon when I saw the screenshot, because I didn't want this to be searchable. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Is on the one hand, I have a profound amount of admiration for somebody who is detail oriented like this and who is willing to um and who is willing to to understand these details and who's willing to to dig into stuff. I I, I appreciate that. That's a good uh, character quality that someone is saying, okay, I'm going to use an HSA and now I'm going to save my receipts for um, you know feminine hygiene supplies and over-the-counter medication. Great. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, it doesn't matter. Like that was a generous, when I said $40 a month between over-the-counter medication and feminine hygiene supplies, that's generous and you have a total savings of potentially a hundred and something dollars. It's just, it's just not that big a deal. And what I fear, because I've done this many times myself, what I fear is that somebody in this situation genuinely does use the hashtag sticking it to Uncle Sam in a non-ironic fashion. Now, if it were used in an ironic fashion, right? Haha, this, there's this tiny little savings and I'm sticking it to Uncle Sam. Yeah, it's, it's funny, right? But I kind of got the sense that it wasn't being used here in an ironic fashion. Now, there's no way to know from the context. It, was, it just seemed like it was a serious thing. And I thought, this is bad. This is dangerous. Because if you think you're getting more for your from your actions than you are, you wind up putting yourself in a tough spot because you're not doing anything that is actually effective. Now, I don't intend this to sound uh, arrogant or bragging in some way, but last week, uh, you know, tax day in the United States was extended out uh, from April 15th to July 15th due to the coronavirus pandemic. And so last week I finished doing my taxes submitted my return. And for 2019, I legally paid $0 of federal income tax and including $0 of employment tax. And that was awesome. Followed every law and just simply by leaving the United States and going abroad, I legally cut my tax bill to $0. Now, that's something that certainly there were a lot of expenses associated with my doing it. It wasn't an easy process. My tax forms were an absolute bear to fill out, utterly overwhelming uh, to work through all of those. So it was not easy, but it was extraordinarily effective, and it was quite, quite gratifying. It was very, very gratifying for me to send in that return to the IRS uh, with $0 of tax liability. And I thought, and I've had this tweet in the back of my hand. I'm like, that's sticking it to Uncle Sam, right? Just leave. Don't play his game. Don't, you know, that's sticking it to Uncle Sam. Actually, just stop. Now, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not trying to advocate vigorously that everybody has to do um, what I have described. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I understand that there are many good reasons not to do that, and I hope that you have enough of respect for my own self-awareness to know that I, if you, I'm not trying to, w- wouldn't tell you what to do. But what I saw in it was I saw a very clear lesson that a lot of times you can just walk away from all the stuff. Now, I have studied tax planning for a very long time, and this is an epiphany for me. I've been interested in taxation for a very long time. I've studied the topic extensively. Um, I've read book after book after book. I mean, just last week, uh, I caught up 
I spent uh, the last few days uh, catching up on all of my continuing education credits for my certified financial planner um, designation and a bunch of other, you know, my CLU and CHFC. I got behind on my CE and I just, I, I went out of compliance on all that stuff. And I decided to go ahead and bring it back into compliance. So I needed to do 61 hours of CE. Uh, and so I did 61 hours of CE. But I'll tell you the courses that I did. I did uh, small business tax planning. So I read a 550-page book on small business tax planning, and I took a 120-page exam on it. I did uh, a course on divorce tax planning, and that one was a 315-page book and took an exam on that. I did a course on financial planning tax strategies. That was a 350-page book and uh, you know another course. I did a course on asset protection tax strategies. You might be noticing something of a theme here, right? That was a, uh, an almost 400-page book and an exam. Uh, and so with those four courses, I was able to get my, that plus one other, I was able to get my, my 61 hours of CE done. But <clears throat> as I was doing it, I've come to the point where as I go through all this stuff and you spend all your time going through these these tiny little details, like my friend here who, who writes that you know you can now deduct over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies, and you read these crazy rules, and I love this stuff. I, I want to make that clear. Like I love this stuff. One of the things that I was finally able to find in one of these courses was I was finally able to find the IRS regulations of how you can take a company vehicle and basically bulletproof your company vehicle use as being almost 100% without the need to keep mileage logs and all these modifications you can do to your pickup truck and, and turn it into that. And I was like, I was thrilled to find that. I'm like, yes, I got another tool in my arsenal. Here's how I can teach somebody to be more bulletproof. But the whole time, I'm thinking about how utterly stupid this entire system is, and how I am wasted, you know, dozens of hours uh, uh, of now that I'm outside the United States doing my, my U.S. taxes is not simple or, or easy at all um, because of my offshore corporations. And it's not simple and easy at all. It, it's one of the forms that I did, the 5471, the IRS estimates, I think it's a 32-hour form is their estimate. And I went through the thing and it's just, it's mind-boggling. And I'm sitting here saying, this is such a waste of time. And I'm, just, I'm calculating, like, how much time do we waste on this every single year? It's, a, it's, a, it's an insane system. I cannot think of anybody who would actually sit down and dis design this system and think that it actually made sense. Just the rules upon rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. It's a crazy system. And I, over the years, I've just thought, It's crazy. It's a crazy system. And yet the pathway through it is fairly simple, right? It's the simplest pathway. If you want to be done with most of that stuff, not all of it, if you're a U.S. citizen, because of course, as a U.S. citizen, you have the other insane system where the U.S. government never lets you leave uh, until you officially renounce your, your citizenship. Uh, they follow you all over the world, make you report everything that you do. It's just another utterly horrific system. But what else is new? But the simplest solution in most cases is just simply leave, right? If you leave, everything changes. And I thought over the years, and, and especially over the last couple of weeks, as I've, I've done all this tax stuff and, and I've been planning for to do this show on this, this funny little thing I saw online, I just thought, isn't that the story of my life? Because the reason why that, that, that comment strikes me so much 
public service announcement. You know, thanks to the CARES Act, over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies are now HSA eligible. Keep those receipts and don't forget to log that mileage, sticking it to Uncle Sam. The reason why that comment resonates with me so much is because that's me. That's the kind of stuff that I would do. And that's the kind of stuff that I have wasted years of my life doing. Doing this, these, these piddly little detail-oriented things that, 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 you know, appeal to my OCD, um, weird, tiny little detail-oriented mind, and yet give you just crap for results, right? Absolute crap for results. I mean, the time required to properly log your receipts for over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies is stupid. Just like the vast majority of the time that you do sp- piling up all your records, just to go, just complying with all of the requirements of the IRS to have your records and books in order, it's just, it's asinine. It's stupid. It's such a waste of time. It's, t- it's stupid. And what happens is that energy sucks you down and, and keeps you from doing something that actually is going to grow something, Right. This guy who wrote this comment, I'm sure he's a smart guy, but if he took the time that he, he spends in, in, in <clears throat> tracking his receipts for over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies so that he can store those up for his HSA, if he put that into making a little bit of money or, or developing a skill or adding something on, the, 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 the return on investment would generally, I gotta imagine, be a lot higher. Now, you can make the detail argument, right? You can say, oh, it's not that much, Joshua. Come on, you, you, you check out in two things, keep the separate receipt, plop it in. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that much. And you're right, you're right. And that's why I said, I admire somebody who, who is careful with the details. I don't, I don't wanna be loose with my language. But there's a personality trait that I have, right? And that this guy has that causes you to spend so much time sucked down in the details that you miss the forest for the trees. You miss the big path. And for me, that's revelatory. Right? Instead of complying with all the, the craziness of the thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of IRS codes, where there's, it's just not possible, it's not even possible to understand it, let alone do it, and so you know, you've got, you, you feel every time, you know, I sent that document off, when I do my taxes, I just assume this is going to be leaked, it's going to be on the internet, um, and, and, and you know, here I am, I talk about the stuff public, it's going to be on the internet, I'm going to face an auditor, and everything's going to be published on the internet, so, so let me do it. And, and, and so I have this like intense pressure when I fill that stuff out, I like to get it exactly right, because I know it's going to be ripped to shreds by somebody, and yet... I feel utterly incompetent doing it. And, you know, sometimes you wish you were blissfully ignorant. (laughs) It's easier for other people to be blissfully ignorant. But in theory, I should know what I'm doing in theory. And I feel utterly incompetent filling those forms out. I'm not sure anybody doesn't feel incompetent myself. Even the, you know, the the full-time tax lawyers. It's so complex. Yet the simple, obvious solution is just leave, walk away. <clears throat> and you can do that in most places. And what I have experienced with doing that, I have experienced this tremendous burst of energy. Now, I, 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 I like to make the intellectual argument that there's no 100% tax rate. 
right? People think about, is there a point in time at which it makes sense for me to do less with regard to taxes? And the answer is no. Even in a high-tax country like the United States, you know, you can get up, uh, if you're living in California or New York City, you can get up to over half your income, right? 50, 55%, depending, you know, you're dealing with the investment tax, you're dealing, how is your income structured? Um, you can get up to that 50% number. Uh, it's not easy, but you can get up to that 50% number and higher. But And so you say, well, there's no 100% tax rate. That's true. There's not. But, but what I have found is just knowing that I was out of the system to a, to a high degree by leaving the United States brought me ju just this incredible freedom and willingness to make more money. Now, I don't know if that's unique to me just because I'm – uh, I get bent out of shape over stuff. A lot of people seem a lot less uptight about taxes than me. Or they just go with it. No big deal, you know, pay my fair share and go on. I admire that mentality. I think it's a healthier mentality probably than my uptightedness, but I still struggle with it. So being free of it has like been like this incredible boon to my to my brain and to my willingness to, to uh, earn more and do more and make more. But It's much more effective to go for the big wins first. Now, I just want to draw the lesson out with some other examples because over the years, as I've done quite a lot of financial planning for people, I've realized that in some ways, what I get paid for is simply taking something that's obvious and saying it to somebody. Taking something that's obvious and saying it to them. I was reminded of this yesterday. I saw a tweet from a friend of mine on Twitter, Brent, uh, at the food truck CEO. And he wrote this. He said, I always thought I wanted to retire early. Turns out, I just wanted to get out from my soul-sucking corporate job. Financial independence will always be a focus, but retirement is the last thing on my mind. Make sure you're aiming at the right target. My answer to him was, me too. Because in a lot of ways, that was that was my experience. I remember that when I was in jobs that weren't a good fit for me, that was when I got super interested in the early retirement financial independence movement because I just I saw it as the way out. And it was only when I got forced to actually sit down and do the analysis and I realized, you know what? I don't actually want retirement. I just want to get out of that, right? I want to go to something else. And so many times I see that as a solution, and I've made that a, a central focus of radical personal finance because it's meant so much to me. If I don't want to, it's not that I, I need to go through this long-winded, you know, pathway of of spending years and years and years living like a miser and saving. I just need to change my job, and if I can change my job from something that's not such a good fit for me to something that's better to a better fit for me. That solves the majority of the problems. You know, Brett left the, the corporate world and he started a pizza business as a pizza, a, a trailer, a food food trailer, and he goes around and makes pizza for it. And he does great at it. He's super into it, does a really good job at it. And that's been the kind of thing that I've often thought, you know, I would do that. I always joke with my wife, we have a long list of businesses. If I go broke, I'm going to do this. If I go broke, I'm going to do that. And when I think about going back to the corporate environment versus, you know, running a barbecue truck or running a pizza truck or something like that. I would love the barbecue truck, would love the pizza truck, and I think a lot of people would. I wouldn't dread the work. Um, it's it's It doesn't have anything like the leverage of other kinds of businesses in terms of total earning power, but it's still, it's very meaningful, really enjoyable work for, for the right personality type. And so I point it out to you because you may not need to go through this 
long-winded process, sorry, long process. You may not need to live on 20% of your income for 10 years so you can retire. You may just need to go get another job. You may not need to save millions of dollars so that you can finally afford to buy that house in Florida. You might just need to get out of, I don't know, New York City and go anywhere else and get another job. Um, You may not need the college degree. You may just need the certification over here. You may just need to read this book. Um, you know, you know, I've been reading, rereading one of my favorite books. Um, I'm, uh, it's called the personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. It's a great book, wonderful book. And, uh, Josh, I'm rereading it. He wrote it in English. I'm rereading it in French to work on my, my French skills. And Josh wrote that book. And I just, because it's like, what's the point of going and taking an MBA? If I just read some books and did what was in them, it would make a big, much bigger difference. And that was his story. When he wrote the book, he was working at a big job. He started reading. He started publishing a blog. He sent one email to, uh, Seth Godin, uh, Seth Godin published a link to his blog on, a, on his, on Seth's site. And the rest was history. And he learned and applied, and then he became basically financially independent, and he's been a full-time dad virtually for the last few years, doing very little in the business world because of his success in a very short period of time. Again and again and again, I see this played out in almost everything. And my encouragement to you is that you sit down and take the time to do the analysis of how do I solve this problem in the most efficient way? This is an area where I'm skilled and unskilled simultaneously because I'm skilled at often seeing the solution, but I'm often unskilled in doing it. Most things are really simple. Most things are really simple. And the people who often do the best are often those who are not the smartest, but who just simply do something. Almost every business has these elegantly simple solutions. I remember when I was in sales, I studied sales. And the simplest way to increase your income in sales, know what it is? Let's say you're making $100,000 a year. <clears throat> you want to increase your income as a salesperson. The simplest and most direct path for you to double your income from $100,000 a year to $200,000 a year is to double the time that you spend You spend face-to-face or talking to prospects and clients. The simplest thing that you can possibly do is simply increase the amount of time that you spend talking to people. It's actually one of the things where I think, although I haven't heard, some of you are financial advisors, I think the, the coronavirus epidemic is going to turn out to be a huge blessing for you because what it's forced is it's forced people to stop relying on driving all over the town and, and uh, you know doing everything face-to-face, but rather to get good at doing things online. When I started in the business years ago, I would drive all over town, drive here, drive there. Then I got better and I got people coming to my office. But then I started doing a lot of stuff digitally and it made all the world a difference because you can go back to back and you can do eight, 10 meetings in a day, hour, you know, back them up. And that radically transforms things because it allows you to spend a lot more time face to face with prospects and clients, which has a direct impact on your business. Very simple metric, but yet incredibly effective. And most businesses have these simple metrics. Most lives have these simple things that you can look at and say, if I just change this one thing, it'll radically transform basically everything. What I find when I do that analysis, and then I start actually being willing to do some of the answers is number one, there's a great, there's a great lack of coherence with some of the things I used to believe. A simple example, right? The latte factor, uh, classic 
term coined by David Bach. Uh, basically, if you take the amount of money that you spend on a daily latte, then you invest it, you'll have a lot of money. So just eliminate the latte and you'll be rich. And the reality is, is it true? I think it's unquestionably true. And so I still recommend that people understand the latte factor. And I think that this is why financial advice needs to be personalized. If somebody is working, they're making you know a, a modest wage, then uh, spending that $5 a day on a daily latte really can deeply harm their results, their financial results in a very real and meaningful way. It's a significant expense. And if they would stop spending the $5 a day, they'd be better off, significantly better off. But from my perspective, when I look at it, Alpha come down and say, is that really worth paying attention to? Because I spent a lot of time living hyper frugally, avoiding the latte, not buying the glass of wine, taking the cheap thing, etc. And in some cases, it really drains on you. Now, if I didn't have the income or I didn't have the ability, I'd still do that stuff because that's how you create a, a fund, right? If you don't have any money saved, you need to stop buying lattes, stop buying glasses of wine so that you can save enough money to start getting financially independent, start to have something to invest. But once you reach a certain point in time, that stuff becomes a net negative because it's easier and simpler for you to focus on doubling your income. And I think that those opportunities are much more widespread than we often think. I'm always torn when people say, well, just double your income because I say, well, not everybody can do that. Don't you know that? But I think a lot more of us can do that than we often want to admit. It's just that nobody's come along and said, hey, do that. So I think a major super skill of the coming years that you and I can hone is going to be this. Look for the most direct paths to your goals. Look for the things that are going to make things simpler and easier. Look for the ways to do things quickly. I've given enough examples so far. Look for the ways that you can get somewhere quickly. Instead of focusing on how can I retire, focus on how can I not want to retire? What could I do there? Instead of focusing on how can I trim my expenses by $10 a month or 10%, look for how can I trim my expenses by 90%. Instead of looking for how can I uh, cut my tax bill by $52 by saving receipts for feminine supplies, Look for how can I cut my tax bill by $152,000 by moving from London to Dubai, from Toronto to the Cayman Islands, or to Panama City, or from Los Angeles to Dallas, right? How can I make these moves that are going to be simple, yet provide massive, massive savings? It's just an 80-20 analysis, right? It's what are the 20% of decisions that can give me 80% of the results? And then step two is focus on the major stuff, not the minor stuff. Focus on the big picture things. If you have to let the over-the-counter medication and feminine supplies receipts drop so that you can get an advanced degree, so that you can increase your earning ability, so that you can start a side hustle that turns into a small business, if you have to let those things drop, let them drop. Now, they might not, right? It might be simple for you to go ahead and save the receipts, in which case... Fine, do it. There's no, there's no reason not to. 
unless it's causing you, unless the opportunity cost is significant. But recognize that if focusing on that stuff is keeping you from the big win, move to the big win, dude. Focus on the big win. I think in most situations, you and I would be shocked at how quickly we could make progress if we just focused ruthlessly and relentlessly on the high-priority, high-impact processes. I confess I'm not as good at it as I'd like to be. It's a big focus of my life going forward. Focus and prioritize ruthlessly. But I just see day after day after day opportunities for wins. You know, just one more example. A client of mine been working with over the last few months built a medical practice from had a, had an insight, graduated from medical school, built a medical practice, and I think it was about five years, something like that, five or six years, built it into a uh, an eight-figure sale. An eight-figure sale in about five or six years. The eight-figure sale, the profit, puts him in a place where he's financially independent um, five or six years out of medical school. And I've thought about his story a lot as far as how he did it, and I've realized how different that path is, right? Many, some, and, and I think it's a good closing thing to, to focus on because a lot of, a lot of my audience is a very high income entrepreneurs and, and professionals. But I thought, you know, if years ago when I was a mainstream financial advisor, if, if that guy had come to my office and sat down with me and said, look, Joshua, I'm making, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm making, you know, I'm a physician. I, and he said, I want to retire. I would have laid out for him this multi, you know, multi-decade plan. Would have said, well, put your money in stocks and, and, and you know, buy some, some put use retirement accounts and save money and live frugally. And, and you know, you'll be retired. And hey, you can get really, really rich uh, about 30 or 40 years from now. That's what I would have told him. And yet... Is there, is there anything wrong with that? No, it's pretty sound advice, right? Financial advisors give that advice every day. I've given it and it's not wrong. But somebody else came along and said, listen, if you'll just simply build your practices, start with one, build out to several offices, you can grow this super fast. There's plenty of ability to use other people's money. You basically use your medical credentials as a way to establish yourself, um, the, the, the front-end profit, and then grow quickly. And in five years, you can have a private equity firm come along and make you an eight-figure offer, sell out, and set yourself up for life. In about five years and not set yourself up for life, you know, not buying lattes and, and whatnot, but just set yourself up for life at the very highest of lifestyles. I didn't even think of that back then to my own shame. So it makes me wonder, one of the reasons why do I pursue all these radical strategies, it makes me wonder, what am I not thinking of today, right? What am I ignoring today? Where am I not focusing on today? Can't change the past, but we can go forward. So in your life, look for the most direct path to your goal and be wide ranging in your thinking. Instead of saving <laughs> feminine hygiene supply receipts and over-the-counter medication and thinking that you're sticking out to Uncle Sam, right? Move, do something drastic. Um, instead of worrying about the latte, uh, build a multi, multi-million dollar business if you're inter- interested in that kind of thing. 
don't feel like you have to change, right? If you're, if you're content with what you're doing, fine. Um, but focus and look for the most direct path to your goals. Before you worry about retiring, make, build a life you don't want to retire from. Before you worry about saying, well, I want to move to Colorado when I retire, just move to Colorado. Get a job there. There's jobs everywhere. Um, I wish I had an elegant way to wrap up the podcast, but I've said what I want to say. Just want to encourage you. Um, focus on the big things. Thank you for listening to today's show. Uh, I'll be back with you soon.